ask you to turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 8, beginning with the 26th verse. And if I had to label this morning's message, it would be something like this. Is better late than never really better? And uh, we'll get to that as we get into the message. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading in the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran over to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was reading like this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied to him. Who can describe this generation? For his life has been taken from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus Christ. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this scripture this morning. And I ask that you would open it to our lives, our church's life, and to our vision for the future together to win the city of Canton, the communities in which we live, and the people that we do not yet know and do not yet know you, to the kingdom. Lord, help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Is better late than never always better? I had a friend, uh, he was the treasurer of one of the early churches I served. He was an engineer. He thought very methodically. Um did things in a certain order and was never one to jump to any real quick decisions. Uh, He and his wife were expecting their first child. Candy was expecting their first child. And it was in the middle of the night and that baby was on its way. Things had occurred. The time had come for them to go to the hospital. And Candy rode over and shook Rod and said, Rod, it's time. The baby's coming. We have to go to the hospital. And Rod's immediate reply was, well, let's stop and think about this for a minute. (laughs) 
Candy didn't want anything to do with thinking about this for a minute. It was time to go. Have you had things in your life that have come up where they got done, but they got done later than perhaps they should have? I thought about this this week as I got ready for preaching. And when I was a kid, you know, I can remember when my father contracted cancer that I really couldn't wait for a cure for cancer to be found. I almost viewed it as a race in my head that they would find a cure for cancer and miraculously he would, miraculously he would be healed and be all better. That never occurred, and as you know, we've made great strides in immunotherapy, but for many people, uh, a cure for cancer has not yet come, and you might even suggest, will we ever find a cure for that brutal disease? But here in the scripture today, there's a more pressing problem and a more pressing issue than anything I've discussed so far. It is the salvation of the world. It's the salvation of individuals' lives. Now, what I read to you this morning was written by Luke. And you'll remember that Luke gave us the Gospel of Luke as well as this book, the book of Acts. And he tells the story of an Ethiopian eunuch. This Ethiopian eunuch uh, was someone of prominence, uh, uh, a governmental official in the kingdom, uh, the oriental relationship, I believe it was, to Queen Candace. But he had been to Jerusalem, and he's on his way home, and he is carrying with him a, a copy of Isaiah. I don't know if that was a scroll, if it was a parchment, but he had it with him. And as uh, he is going along, he is reading in the, in the prophet Isaiah. And you will remember that Philip, has been directed by the Lord to go down to this place and to talk with this Ethiopian eunuch. And as he came to him, uh, this conversation ensues in which uh, Philip asks the question, do you understand what it is that you're reading? And he said, how can I have understanding? I need someone to explain it to me. And the Bible says that Philip got up in the chariot with him and began to explain to him the good news concerning Jesus Christ. Now this passage that uh, he was looking at is a part of the suffering servant uh, from Isaiah 52 and 53 and it, it goes on and talks a great deal in this passage about Jesus. You'll recall uh, the passage where it says he was despised and rejected by men uh, he, he, from whom he, they hid their faces. It says we esteemed him not. He has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought our peace. And with, with his wounds, we are healed. Now that's where he was reading. And Philip begins with that passage. And it says that he began to proclaim to him the good news about Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus, you'll recall that back in the book of Luke 22, uh, I think it's the 37th verse, if I've got the right verse in my notes, he refers back to this passage with these words. He says, I tell you, this scripture will be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has his fulfillment. Now there are three things that I want you to note in this passage between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch this morning. The first is a desire, or if you would, a love for the Word of God. 
I think there's a desire within this Ethiopian eunuch to understand what was being read. But there's also, in Philip, a desire to have the word of God explained, or if you were told. It says in the 30th verse, Philip ran to him and said, Do you understand what you're reading? Now I'm going to focus on the word reading for a minute and have you know that the word reading means two things. First, it means to recognize something and to know exactly. I don't know if you've ever run into somebody before who looked like someone you knew. Uh, This word does not mean someone that looks like someone. This word means to know exactly. So when, when Philip asked the question, do you understand what you're reading? He's really asking the question, are you getting it with some precision? Do you really understand what you're reading? And secondly, we know from the way the nuances of the word in the original language that this Ethiopian eunuch was reading this scripture out loud. Uh, Can I tell you that reading out loud does not mean that you get it with precision. Reading out loud means just that you have phonetically put together the words that are needed to form that word and that, uh, the sounds that are needed to form that word and then the words in an order to, per, to uh, make a sentence. So what Philip is asking is, do you get it? Do you really understand what's being said here? And I, I make a point of this for this reason, church. In our day and age, I believe it's, it's come that the word of God for many has become much like the fine print. Uh, that you read on some uh, small warranty documents or things of that nature you might get. It's kind of like what occurs at the, bu- uh, the end of your radio ad when they're trying to sell something, when the, the speed and the cadence of the radio announcer goes up to 1,000 miles an hour. Uh, Philip is not asking, are you just reading? Philip is asking, do you really get it? Do you really understand and have a love for what it is that you're reading there at Isaiah 53? And obviously the Ethiopian eunuch says, no, he's not really getting it. And so I want to focus for a second on the word understand, as is used in that 30th verse. It means to know, to perceive, to see things as they really, really are. Uh, Jesus spoke in the Gospel of Matthew and said this, when any, uh, the parable of the sower, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes along and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is what's sown along the path. Now, if you know the parable of the sower, you know that the sower went out to sow and he put some seed in the good soil, some along the edge of the path and some on the path. And a variety of things happened. But the one that Jesus is talking about is when the seed is sown in such a way that people don't have the ability to understand it because it's not sown well. And it says the evil one will come and snatch away what's been hidden in his heart. Now I think you need to see that the reason Philip was sent by God to this Ethiopian eunuch is because God had purpose in reaching the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm going to get to that later in the message. But God had an intention, God had a purpose and a desire for the Ethiopian eunuch that he would know what was being said. And so he directed Philip to this very position. Um, I guess what I'm asking you to understand today is that when it comes to the gospel, it is not sufficient 
to say that I can rehearse or, or I have memorized sections of Scripture and I can recite them to someone else. What needs to happen is that you get it deep down inside, that you understand it and you hide it away so that the Holy Spirit can bring it out of you in the day that you need it most. Uh, someone, the little kids used to sing, little children used to sing, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. That is where the Word of God needs to be hidden in us. So we need to be sure that we know that we know that we know. And the Ethiopian eunuch has been asked by Philip, Do you know that you know that you know? Do you understand what you need to understand about the Word as I've given it to you? You know, on the, on the day that Jesus um, rose from the dead, and you'll recall that one day the disciples are out there on the Sea of Galilee, and they are fishing, and they looked on the shore, and they saw Jesus walking on the shore. And you'll remember Peter jumps in the water, and they make their way to shore, and as they get in there, uh, Jesus has got a fire going, and there's fish on the fire. And, and he's talking with them. He says, peace to you. They were startled and frightened they thought they saw a spirit he said why are you troubled why do the doubts arise in you touch me and see a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see i have and when he had said this uh, and showed them his hands and his feet and while they still disbelieved for joy it says they were marveling and he said to them do you have anything to eat and they gave him a piece of bread and a piece of boiled fish and it says he ate it before them and listen to what he says. This is key to understanding what I'm trying to get across from the book of Acts today. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, it's thus written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance... For the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. He said something, and here I want you to get. He opened their minds to understand the scripture. Church, can I tell you something? This is a man that's resurrected. The disciples are in shock. It says they had joy, but with disbelief. They're looking and they can't get it. They don't understand what's happened. They watched him die. They know he was put into a tomb. They know that there's no way on earth he should be walking around. And Jesus begins to explain to them from the Old Testament scriptures that the Son of Man would die and be buried, would suffer unjustly, and then would rise again on the third day. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Church, that is what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about helping others to gain an appreciation of and love for the Word of God so that they can understand and have their minds opened to the reality and the truth of the good news of the gospel that Jesus rose from the dead and because he lives, we can live also to die no more. I had a friend, uh, a lady in one of my churches, and i got to be careful I don't put a name to this. We were close to her. She was close to my children, um, and she was a good Christian lady. She was a good Christian woman. Uh, when we met her, she was in her late 70s, and she had never, 
been married in her life. And as a matter of fact, she had never experienced romance of any kind. You say, Joel, this is really strange to bring into this message right here. Not really. And, and here's why. She would read romantic novels. She would get novels and read romantic novels to try to gain an understanding of something that she had never experienced. I used to tell her that she needed to lay off those books. That she needed to spend more time in the Word of God. And she did. Please understand, I have no doubt about where she stood. But church... Jesus, to his disciples, he opened their minds to something they couldn't understand because they had never experienced someone coming back from the dead. They had never experienced a resurrection before. And Jesus began with the scriptures to open their minds, to have an open mind to the possibility in their seat of reason, their brains, that, that God could raise his son who was dead back to life. And so, the first thing I want you to see is that you've got to have a love for the Word of God like Philip had, a love to share that Word like Philip had, and a desire like the Ethiopian eunuch to understand it. But secondly, you've got to have understanding of it. Because if we are going to really get the good news of the Gospel, that our sins can be forgiven, that God shed His blood on the cross, that we could have our sins forgiven. We're going to have to have our minds open to something that we really can't comprehend because most of us struggle in the area of forgiveness, either giving it or receiving it in many ways. There's a third point I want you to see. In Acts 8.31, he said to Philip, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now at first, at first blush, what I want to say about this focuses on that word guides. The Ethiopian eunuch said, how can I understand this unless someone guides me? Now, that's first blush, and I want to say to you before I move to second blush that that's important, that, that, that we have the ability to guide people in the good news of the gospel. But there's something else that I want you to see. You've got to have good guides. Philip was the right person at the right time for this Ethiopian eunuch. Philip had made himself not only available, but able. He was prepared for what needed to take place. What is the first thing that this gentleman does? He invites Philip to come and explain the scriptures to him. Church, the Bible is a library. The Bible is a library. It's not a book. It's a library. And what Philip had at that time available to him in his library, he took advantage of. Oh yes, Isaiah. He was despised and rejected by men. We treated him as not esteemed. We turned our back on him. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. Yeah, I can tell you what that's about. That's about Jesus. Jesus who was just crucified. Jesus who was dead and was buried. And he did no wrong. He had no sin. There was nothing wrong about him. That's who that was talking about. But though we did not esteem him, and though this world did not esteem him, Ethiopian eunuch, I want to tell you something. God esteemed him because 
because he was God's son and he rose from the dead and because he rose from the dead what he said and who he said he was matters. He was the son of God and he was the perfect and sufficient sacrifice for sin and you could know that in your life. He began to explain to him if you would Philip was an irresistible witness for Jesus. Now church let me let me stop and explain to you a little bit for a minute. An irresistible witness for Jesus. That Ethiopian eunuch said, come on up here and sit in my chariot with me and explain that to me. And he got up there and Philip did exactly what he was asked to do. Church, we need to be an irresistible witness for Jesus. And that brings me to my bottom line. I'm going to bring you to the bottom line and you may think... Well, I'm not to the bottom line yet. Let me finish here. Here's the, here's the danger. Here's the danger in not being able to explain the word. That is the good news of the gospel. If you can't explain it, someone else can't understand it. And so church, it's imperative that we know that we know that we know that we are God's children. That is to say that we've been forgiven, we've been redeemed, we're in a personal relationship that is daily being fed, we're praying, we're reading the scriptures, we're staying close to Jesus, all of those things. Because I want to tell you what the enemy does. The enemy wants to mess up not only our understanding, but those were trying to reach their understanding. And I'll give you the best illustration you can have. It comes out of the gospel, or rather the first book of the Bible, Genesis 3, when the serpent says to Adam and Eve, Did God really say? Did you get that? Did God really say? I want to tell you what Philip knew. Philip knew precisely who Jesus was, what he had said, and how the word of God was being lived out in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when Philip got done explaining, because he understood the word and was able to transmit that to someone else, the Ethiopian eunuch understood. And what happens next, as they, as they rode along, there, there came a body of water. If you were to look behind you today, there's a little stream that runs back here at the back of our parking lot. They were driving along, and there's a little stream of water, and the Ethiopian eunuch said, I think I need to be baptized. And, and, and the, the evidence of his repentance, his conversion, his transformation took place in what took place in that body of water, but also what took place in that chariot as they rode along. He came to an understanding, not only in his head, but in his heart of who Jesus was. Church, that should be our vision for the future, and it brings me to my bottom line. And I'm going to have to run through this bottom line relatively quick, but it's the most important part, so stay with me. Good news, that is late news, is really bad news. I had, a, I, had a, I had a two bottom lines this morning. I'll tell you what the first one was. Christian procrastination denies others their salvation. Set that aside for a minute and understand where we're at. Good news, that is late news is really bad news. 
Let me explain to you why I say that. If you were to go back to the beginning of the book of, Luke, of Acts, where Luke writes about Jesus on the day that he ascended to heaven, you would read these words. Jesus has appeared to his disciples. They are gathered to listen to him. And I want you to hear this, church, because it's very important. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they came together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it's not, for you to do, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that God is fixed by his own authority. But you'll receive power. And church, listen real close. This is so very important. Remember, he said, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. John baptized with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit with fire. Right here, what, what is going to be said by Jesus to his disciples is this. When the power comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. You'll take the good news of the gospel. You'll take what you know because I've taught you. You'll take what you know because you've seen my hands. You've seen that I'm alive. You've seen that I have been verified by God to be his son. You will take that message to Jerusalem where you are, to Judea. Uh, to the outer edges of where we are, to Samaria, the place nobody wants to go, and to the ends of the earth. But you'll do that after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, church, here's the question. And I want you, if you're not a Bible scholar, listen close. I'm going to explain it, and we're almost done. We're almost done, but it's so important, and it's particularly important for Westbrook Park Church. Jesus said, after the Holy Spirit's come on you and you've received the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. That is in Acts chapter 1. In the very next chapter, the Holy Spirit comes. The day of Pentecost arrives. Remember what Jesus said. Wait for that day. Wait for the Spirit. But once it comes... Go! Be the witnesses! Go! And so the question is this, church, and listen real good. That, that accounts for Acts 1 and Acts 2. First you have Ascension Day, and then being told there'll be witnesses after they receive the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, they receive the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And now they're prepared to go to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Here is the question, church. The first convert on the outskirts of Samaria, on the places away from Jerusalem, the first convert is this Ethiopian eunuch. And the question you have to ask is what took them so long? The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. I want you to listen to something from Acts chapter 7. Because if you remember, and I'll just tell it to you and then I'll read it. If you remember in Acts 7, 
Stephen stands up and preaches a sermon in Jerusalem, and they stone him to death for it. And, and this is what happens right after that. When they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, I see the Son of Man standing there with, with God. They cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, rushed at him. They cast him out of the city. They stoned him. And he, falling to his knees, cried with a loud voice, Do not lay this sin against them. It then says Saul approved of his execution. And in Acts chapter 8 verse 2, listen close because this is where I've been driving the car to. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Church, hear me. Hear me. Westbrook Park Church, hear me. Listen, are your ears open? Are you paying attention? Listen so very close to what I'm about to say to you. On the day that Jesus ascended to heaven, it was his disciples that were told to go. On the day of Pentecost, it was his disciples that received the power to speak in other language and to do miraculous things. And six chapters later, it took a persecution of the church to send Philip down to Samaria. But the disciples, the apostles, the twelve that had been with Jesus, it says they stayed in Jerusalem. Church, we are disobedient when we don't do what God has called us to do. We are, we are procrastinating at what the Great Commission calls us to do. We're putting off what is we think difficult to do, never taking into consideration how difficult it was for Jesus to go to the cross. Church, the Great Commission says go. Jesus said go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Church, we cannot afford to put it off. It took a persecution to get Philip down the highway. And the ones that were supposed to go, the ones that were supposed to go, sat back held back and let the persecution go on to send the church out but they themselves in my humble opinion were a bit disobedient to what God had told them to do church the bottom nine is this good news that is late news is really bad news the scriptures say that today is the day of salvation. We have planned. We have said that we're going to do. We've had studies, commissions. We've had counselors and consultants. We've put it all together in our head. But we've had difficulty in moving it to our feet to actually be about the task that Christ has called us to do. And church, today is the day of salvation. People today will die without knowledge of Jesus and who he is. And I want to assure you that they aren't in Africa. They are. But they're not only in Africa. 
They're not only in the far off ends of the earth countries that you could imagine. They're almost within a stone's throw of where every one of us are right now. And there are Jerusalem, and there are Judea, and there are Samaria, and we've received the gift of God. We know Him as our Savior. We've heard His great commission. We've been giving our marching orders. And it's not time to pull ourselves in to do for us what we think makes us feel good. It's time for us to pour ourselves out and to reach out to people that look different, that probably are different, but Jesus loves. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for how good you have been in sending your son to this earth for me. Lord, I thank you that Jesus died on a cross for Joel Adkins. Lord, I praise you that the love of your Son knows no measure. That it will go to the highest mountain, to the depths of the sea, to the farthest distance in order to pursue me and run me down. That I will submit and come into a relationship with you. Lord, I'm so very grateful for that. And because I know that truth, and I'm accountable for the truth, that you have sent me to share that good news with others. Lord, I pray that you would give the vision, the direction, the knowledge, and take away the procrastination spirit. Get rid of the indecisiveness. Get rid of the afraid and the fear and the worry about finances and all the things that we use as shields to keep us from going where you sent us to go. And Lord, make us obedient children as we pursue your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, and we pray these things in that good and holy name. Amen.